Welcome to the weekly Lost Edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Now, here are your hosts, Stephanie and Cliff. Hello and welcome to episode number 24 of the weekly Lost Podcast of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. You can find us on the web at www.generallyspeakingpodcast.com. And this week is coming to you a little bit later than what we normally would like. However, uh, some higher priority things came up uh, as far as in scheduling. And so editing got pushed back until just right now, which is 4 p.m. on Sunday, May 21st. Now, Friday evening, we recorded a very special er, edition of the weekly Lost podcast where we did a second look at the episode Three Minutes. And yes, that is my children in the background. They're over there playing Xbox. Uh, And uh, so rather than talk a whole lot and hear a lot of things in the background, I'm going to go ahead and bring to you the panel discussion that was recorded on Friday evening with two listeners from the Generally Speaking podcast audience. And uh, just we're going to go right into that now. Enjoy. And this is going to be a panel discussion this evening with two of our other listeners from the Generally Speaking podcast. First up, I'd like to introduce to you Orion Colmer. He is joining us from, where are you joining us again from, uh, Orion? Uh, Tonight I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And where are you from? I live in Oshkosh now, but I grew up in Kentucky. And how did you hear about our podcast? Um, I think it was a plug on the transmission Yeah, a lot of people heard about us through the transmission, and I'll tell you, we sure do miss Ryan and Jen. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely hear a lot. You're definitely not as good as Ryan and Jen were. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I get that a week, and uh, it's it's definitely true. They they definitely set a standard for lost podcasting, and and perhaps maybe they'll come back in season three. That would be excellent, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Next up, I want to introduce to you Dina Scott, uh, somebody who's actually be- almost become a very close friend just in a very Aww. short period of time. Uh, Dina, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. Glad to have you. And where are you calling from? I'm actually calling from beautiful, sunny California in Sacramento. And it's not dark there yet, is it? Nope, it isn't. It's uh, just about 20 minutes to 7 and... It's raining, actually. Is it raining in sunny California? Yeah. Is that possible? It just started in the the last hour. Oh, okay. (laughs) Anyway, I just wanted to uh, tell everybody, have the opportunity now to to not only share this news with our listeners, but now I can share it with you online, Dina. Uh, Dina has her own podcast that uh, I have been helping to consult her on uh, some of the issues and and, uh, the theory and some of the... Um, management of how you do podcasting, and she has recently released her first episode of Controlling Chaos. Can you just tell us a little bit about what your podcast is? Oh, sure. Uh, Controlling Chaos is uh, a podcast about project management, and it's uh, it's going to be kind of an interesting podcast. I'm actually doing the podcast with a friend and co-worker of mine, Lee Scott, and we're, we always have a lot of fun when we work together, and project management is our careers and our passions, and 
we're hoping that it'll be a fun podcast and a podcast that folks can learn from and listen to. And hopefully, even if you're not a project manager, you'd find it interesting. And I can attest to that because I am not a project manager, but I will tell you that I got lost in the conversation, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, between you and Lee. <laughs> Uh, I was just, I was just really drawn into your guys' infectious laughter and, Aww. and, and just the way that you are passionate about what you do, and that kind of drew me in. And, and then in project management, we all manage project projects in all of our jobs, and so absolutely, I'm, I found yeah. some of the things that you discussed relating solely to your field still applicable to myself as even an insurance agent and not only an insurance agent agent but also a minister uh and leading other people within the church and and different ministry programs that we're doing so uh definitely a great podcast controlling chaos and i will definitely be putting a link to their podcast in our show notes for this week Oh, thank you very much. Well, tonight we're going to be discussing, in a panel discussion format, the episode called Three Minutes. Now, you, you guys, I'm sure, have heard the initial reactions that Stephanie and I released and our predictions. Uh, just going to ask you real briefly, in a, maybe one or two sentences, if you can just say anything other than ho-hum <laughs> of, <laughs> of what you guys thought about the episode. And, uh, Orion, we'll start with you. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. I really loved how uh, they went back and tied things into the hunting party episode and you got to see the other side of that whole story. They've, that's not the first time they've done that kind of thing and, and it's always neat to see. We, you know, there was all that speculation about the, you know, those seven gunshots or, or however many there were when Michael got taken and so you could get to see that whole thing and, and all the, you know, all the mysteries, you can see it just, uh, coming together for the finale and I really really enjoyed it. Very good. And Dina, what was your initial reaction to 3 minutes? Oh, I loved it. Uh but then again, I know that the episodes are pretty much winding down and we're going to be high and dry without lost for quite a few months. So I'm actually enjoying each and every one of them. Well, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed uh 3 minutes and there is a lot of stuff that we could talk about. In fact, I'm going to start us off with something that Mr. Reverb from the Generally Speaking Lost Forum wrote, and it was the first question that I noticed on the forum when I went in and started to do my research, and he wants to know what that huge Stonehenge-looking thing was, that big structure, and what its significance is. You know, I'm reading the forums about that, and people are just going all over the place with it, with with all kinds of far-out theories, and I guess that's normal, but I guess I'm looking at it a lot more simply than that. Okay. Uh, you know, uh Walt, when he was describing the camp, he said that, you know, there's this landmark with the hole in it and that it's by the beach, right? So the way that I envision this, we know they have uh, at least one boat, right? So I'm thinking that it's um, the symbol of the hatch, like a rectangle, like whatever, we don't know the name yet, but uh, whatever that hatch is that they have, it's the same symbol. So boats coming in can see that from far away and know that that's where the the camp is that's that's my take and I don't, I don't i don't think that there's anything you know supernatural going on or anything you know like that i i did some researching on the forum one of the our listeners who calls in quite often sherida was jokingly saying that she thought it was a stargate Oh, no, it's much, much too small to be a Stargate. Yeah, much too small. Yeah. Yes, I happen to be, you know, an SG-1 fanatic, and that's much too small for a Stargate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, one of, the ep- or one of the series that I just recently quit 
watching, or not quit watching, just finished watching was Earth 2. And uh, oh, yeah. there's there seems to be some kind of tie-in with this ta- time warp kind of uh, thing, and it does fall along the Stargate. And I know that Sheridan was just kidding, and, and she even actually made it a point to, to sound like she was joking. But <laughs> but I wouldn't go so far as to say there's definitely not anything supernatural happening. I just don't know that that's really what that is. One of the things that is certain is is I have a screen capture of it. I'll put up in the show notes. And when you click on the, the thumbnail of this image and pull it up in, in its larger form, it's definitely obvious that this is a man-made structure or yeah. of some type, and it's it's built just like you would a rock wall. I agree. Yeah. And I, in some way, it looks like I, I question whether or not it was actually uh, made originally to look as it looks now, meaning that it's it's made in the form or the shape of that Dharma symbol instead. I, I would wonder if perhaps the hole was more like a window in a larger structure oh, and that, okay. that may be gone. So, mm-hmm. there's a, of course, there are a lot of people out there who are talking about this. And, and like you said, Orion, it is definitely, uh, they're all over the place on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's normal for this kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I would think that if there is anything Stargate-ish or Supernatural connected to it, mm-hmm. I, w- I would assume that... It, maybe like i could see maybe the remote viewing stuff that they're doing with walt Mm -hmm. um maybe the device that they use is shaped like that so you know maybe that's uh symbolic for the equipment that they have inside of the hatch or something like that but i I just can't see you know you flip a switch and glowing light starts coming out of the rocks or something you know it just (laughs) doesn't make a lot of sense the lighthouse (laughs) right (laughs) wonderful let's move on to our second question that i that i researched uh why do they only want Sawyer, Kate, Jack, and Hurley? Now, here here's my deal. I mean, Michael might as well just have given himself away. I, I can't see how anybody other than Saeed, you know, hasn't realized that Michael has been compromised. He just it, it, it's got to be you, me, Kate, Sawyer, Hurley. I mean, it, it's yeah. it, it's. <laughs> Hello, it's got to be done my way, the way that I have already planned out because, and and then he tells Jock, or Jock, you like that, Jock? I'm I'm looking at Locke and I'm thinking Jack. Okay, he tells Jack, he says, listen, it's my son, I say. And it's like, hello, it's the lives of four other people, buddy. You don't have the say. I mean, sure, your son's gone, but this is our lives, and you're saying there's over 20 of them, there's only five of us. I don't think you have the right to say we're going to go in there with four or five of us. Yeah, and why in the world, Hurley? I I mean... Yeah, that's a good question. That right there would have caused me to question, like, what, what, Hurley? You know, he's the last person I would think of that you'd want to go sneaking up through the jungle on the others. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me ask ask you this. I love Hurley, but he's, you know, he's not very stealth, so... Exactly. Well, let me ask you... um, Dina, do you have any theories on why those four? What what is the what is the theme among those four? What do they share in common that might possibly interest the others? Well, I looked at them as as being leaders, except for Hurley. He was the wild card that I couldn't quite figure out. What is it that they want him for? Okay, I I, I couldn't really figure it out. I just thought it was really strange that. They wanted them now when they could have had them before. 
Okay. And right. Hurleywood, Hurleywood have been pretty easy to capture on his own because he was traipsing off into the jungle quite often by himself to go to a secret stash. That's true. When so if they really wanted all those people, they could have had them already. Absolutely, and because they did have them in the hunting party, they had three of the right. four right there. So that that's yeah, I mean, one. They of, literally had Kate captured. Yeah, absolutely. And they let her go. Well, and it's obvious to me that they they want us thinking about this subject because they made it so obvious that discussion with Jack and Kate about your damaged goods. They could have kept you. That's why I'm going to bring you along. You know what I mean? So they've already raised that point. So, you know, I don't know how it's all, all going to shake out, but um, I think there's definitely a missing piece to the to the puzzle. I really liked um, what some people said on the forums, um, which is kind of what I was first thinking, is that maybe, maybe they don't want those four. Maybe they wanted to get those four away from the camp so that they could come and get at the rest of them while they were gone. But why leave Echo and Saeed in there? Well, that's where the theory yeah. falls apart. Because <laughs> you're right. I mean, you leave Saeed behind, and that, that kind of breaks right. the whole I mean, thing. Even without guns, you know, Saeed and, and Echo with his Jesus stick are pretty awesome foes. Yeah. So. Well, and, and uh, you know, Echo has already killed two of them barehanded. Right. Uh, so he would be formidable. But, but as far as your question about Hurley, mm -hmm. uh, one thing I thought of was uh, maybe they, they want Hurley for funding. Oh, for funding, money. yeah, they had. They know he has money, and they want you know. Dharma seems tents. to be a little scrap for cash, you know. So yeah, those balloon food drops have got to be pricey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I have some. I have some stuff that I came up with that I'd like to see what you guys think about. Uh, the, the the thing that I found that is in common with the four individuals in question, Hurley saw his friend Dave on the island. Now, we're, some of us believe that was all imaginary. However, he did see his friend Dave, and it wasn't a dream. Kate and Sawyer both saw the black horse together. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's three. Then you have Jack, who saw his dad. Now, those are four individuals who have been able to supernaturally see something on this island. And somebody says, well, you know, well, what about the fact that, um, you know, that Locke saw his mom? And what about Shannon, who saw Walt? Well, the problem is, is that, number one, um, Locke seeing his mom was in a dream. Yeah, it, oh, they brought up Echo saw his brother, Yemi. And, again, in a dream. Saeed. Saeed saw Sa Walt. Yeah, Shannon's dead, and then there's, you know, the fact is is that Saeed did see Walt, or at least said that he saw Walt. He maybe heard Walt, or or heard the whispers, or heard somebody coming, and maybe he was saying yes to something else. That That's some things I've been reading in the forum. And also, the, the thing about James Ford, not, you know, you know, not only did he see Kate's horse, but did you notice that he also channeled her stepfather, Wayne? Right. Or her real father, I mean. Right. So there, that's the only connection, kind of connection I can find there is, is those, you know, they, they've seen things on the island and not so much in only a dream. Right. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I didn't, I couldn't remember exactly how many people knew that Sawyer's name was James Ford, but they asked for him specifically like that. that Somebody was, must have told them or they already knew it from even before he was on the plane. And so he was obviously on the plane for a reason. Yeah. 
that's what it said to me. It mm-hmm. when when I saw James Ford, that immediately said to me, you know, here's further proof that uh, this was all orchestrated beforehand. Right. Either that, or the people on the island are in communication with people off the island who are feeding them information. We finally found out why the episode was called Three Minutes, which I felt kind of gypped that he didn't even get the full three minutes. Well, that's exactly what I said, and my husband yeah. started laughing at me. He thought, only you would notice that. <laughs> no, I think, no, I think I a couple right other people. It's the project manager in me. I'm sorry. I was ticking down the minutes. That's right. <laughs> a couple things about that. One of the things that Walt says is, they make me take tests, and they ask me lots of questions. What kind of tests are they take, is he taking? What I mean, is this more experimentation? That's what it sounded like to me. I'm totally picturing them um, trying to study and improve and you know, replicate his whatever psychic abilities he might have. And, That's you know, Dharma, too. Dharma has such a, you know, there's a proven link to military stuff going on here. And that hasn't fully been explored yet, but there's, there's obvious connections to the military and I can totally see them wanting to, to take that kind of stuff, the remote viewing and whatever else, and use it to train soldiers. Walt obviously knows that they're hiding something, that, that they're pretending. They're not who they say they are. And basically, my question is, what is the room? He, she, the Mrs. Clue says, do you want me to put you back in the room again? And that shut Walt up really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did. Well, I kind of was thinking about the time where he appeared in front of Shannon. Yes. And he was very wet. Dripping. And and so when I started, when I was watching this episode, I was thinking maybe they were kind of torturing him to see if they could get him to bring out those abilities. Because a lot of times, you know, I was thinking that I don't think somebody who maybe doesn't even know that they have these abilities can actually just turn on, flip a switch and just turn them on. Sometimes it's, it's, it's triggered by uh, stress or emotion. And I was thinking maybe that was, um, you know, why he was so wet. Mm-hmm. Yes. In those, you know, in those visions that maybe they had him in that room or maybe they were, you know, putting the putting him in water trying to get him to do something different. Well, the the room I I've heard uh the Lost Casts podcast do a theory on some of the bilocation and remote viewing and and remote projection and st- stuff like that, which we know from the old Hanso Foundation that they had some of those kind of experiments listed. So I'm, I believe, obviously, that there's definitely a tie-in here. Mm-hmm. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I believe it was the Lost Cast podcast that, that said this is that one of the things that they will do is if they submerse somebody who has these psychic abilities in water, it helps numb them from out, outside sensation. And therefore, mm-hmm. when, they're, when they're completely submerged underwater except for their head, they're not so much stimulated by the outside stimuli, and therefore they're able to focus more attention on their remote projection, if you will. I could I could see a, a room that was you know totally dark and soundproof, and and imagine imagine also if in that special room uh, he was you know in touch with the voices that are going on on the island. Absolutely. And that could get pretty scary for a young kid, you know. So total isolation, uh, total um, no, no stimulation from the outside world. That, to me, that kind of room 
where you're stuck in a in, in this room, complete darkness, complete blackness, and submersed in water up to your neck, that would give me the kind of reaction that Walt had when she brought up the room. I think I'd probably shut up too. Yeah. Yeah. And I would if that's the case, I would assume that they probably even leave him in there for a while. You know, probably hours on end. Yes. One last thing on the Walt topic, and that is this issue of bilocation. Now, Rem brought this up in the initial reactions podcast, and he asked some viewers out there if they had anything on this. And before I share with you guys what somebody had shared with Rem, uh, I'm going to ask you guys, do you have any thoughts on the bilocation? Well, I would I would think that if Walt truly was, I mean, my understanding of the bilocation dealy is that people you know physically are in two places at the same time and i i I would think that if uh if walt was doing that and not just projecting himself that he would have been like touching interacting with with shannon he wouldn't be talking backwards and all that kind of thing that 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 me that that leads me to believe that it's just an apparition that he wasn't actually there and just projecting it We're going to take a brief moment away from the conversation that we recorded Friday evening as some brand new information has uh, surfaced that I thought that would be excellent to insert into this week's show. In fact, it's on the topic of bilocation, obviously, and Rem had asked some individuals out there who perhaps would listen to our Initials Reaction podcast if they had any thoughts on bilocation, uh, would you please let us know? And Les, one of our forum members from the Generally Speaking Lost Forum, wrote, Hey, Rem, in listening to the latest podcast, after three minutes, I was struck by a comment you made about bilocation. You said it's an Eastern Buddhist thing. I don't know about that. I went to the New Advent website, Answers to All Things Catholic, and I found a post which seems to be mostly negative on the topic. I then Googled Padre Pio, Padre Pio was an Italian friar who lived in the 20th century. He was very, very holy and much loved, and he is particularly known for bilocation. My Google search found this site from EWTN, a well-respected Catholic television network, and I've got a link to that in our show notes. And I did check this out. He also said, I also found bilocation on the New Advent website. Results here are somewhat dubious. But since Padre Pio is now considered a saint, the philosophers may want to rethink their positions. Thank you. Anyway, Les, thank you so much for uh, informing us of that link. And you can check out that link to the EWTN site and the story there about Padre Pio and, and also... Uh, his being known for by location. However, rather than read to you what that article says, I was so excited when Father Roderick, uh, my favorite podcaster in the world, author of the StarQuest Podcasting Network at sqpn.com, announced through a promo this week on his Daily Breakfast podcast that they just added a new podcast to the lineup at SQPN, and it's called The Saint Cast. Now, obviously, I'm not Catholic, and I don't venerate saints in the same way that the Catholic Church does, but I have no problem with them doing podcasts because that is a part of their faith, and I was so excited in the in the promo, he said that the first episode that they had done was regarding Padre Pio. So what does Cliff do? I immediately go and subscribe to the podcast, and during that podcast, I hear this. Now, what you are about to hear, I am going to play a five-minute clip 
from that podcast. But I just thought this would be so much of a tie-in to this loss discussion and that it's interesting it, and, and it helps give you an idea of what this by location is. But, uh, well, rather than go on and on about it, let me let you hear it for yourself. Padre Pio had the ability to by locate That is, he could be present in two places at once, and this was described a number of times during his life. There's a couple of incredible instances of this. The first of these happened on January 18, 1905, at this time, Pio was just 18. He was actually Fra Pio. He had not yet been ordained. He wrote about it a month later in a letter to his spiritual director who kept it hidden away and eventually gave it to the interested party many years later. But this was actually written only a month after it happened and was not known to anyone else other than his spiritual director until later in life. Here, here's what he said. Some days ago, an unusual thing happened to me while I was in the choir with Fra Anastasio at about 11 o'clock at night on the 18th of the month. This was January of 05. I found myself far away in an aristocratic residence where the father was dying while a baby was being born. And then the Most Holy Mother Mary appeared to me and said, I entrust this creature to you. It's a precious jewel in the rough. Work on it, polish it, make it as brilliant as possible, because one day I want to adorn myself with it. How is that possible, since I'm a poor clerical student and don't know if one day I shall have the good fortune and the joy to be a priest? And even if I shall be a priest, how could I think about this baby that is far from here? The Madonna replied, Do not doubt. She is the one who will look for you, but first you will meet her in St. Peter's. After that, I found myself back in the choir. So that's the written account that was turned over to his spiritual director that Padre Pio made. Now, it actually occurred that on January 18th in Udine, a young woman, Giovanna Rizzani Boschi, was born during the very time in which her father, Marquis Giovanni Battista Rizzani, was dying. Later on, when she was 18 years old, she accompanied her aunt to San Giovanni Rotondo. She stood in the midst of the crowd, as there were always thousands of people waiting when Padre Pio moved from place to place. He came out of the sacristy before going into his cell, and she found herself all in the front of the line. As soon as he saw her, he came up and said, Giovanna, I know you. You were born on the day your father died. She was amazed. She thought, well, who could have told him this? How could he possibly have known? She went to confession to Padre Pio the next day, and he said, My daughter, you've finally come. How long I have been waiting for you. She replied, I don't understand. What are you talking about? You, you must be mistaking me from somewhere else. He said, No, I'm not mistaken. We already met last year. Don't you recall? In St. Peter's, you were looking for a priest. I was the Capuchin there. It was then that she remembered the circumstances surrounding her birth. Her dad, who had joined the Masons, had been away from God and the sacraments for a long time. He was struck down by an incurable illness, and he lay suffering in his home on that night of January 18, 1905. The house was under surveillance by the Masons so that no priest would ever enter. Shortly before he died, his wife was praying at the bedside. She saw a Capuchin friar leave the room. She rose to her feet and called to him, but he disappeared in the corridor of the palace. She suffered intensely from the thought that her husband's life was about to end and that he would die basically without the comfort of the religion that, that she espoused. She was suddenly seized with labor pains and her baby was born prematurely. 
Later, with the baby in her arms, she came towards the bed. They finally let a priest enter so that the priest could baptize the new baby. And after baptizing the baby, he administered the sacraments to the dying man who asked the pardon of God and drew his last breath. She then remembered last year when she was at St. Peter's with a friend. It was near closing time in the basilica, and she was going to look for a priest and was told it would be hard to find one because it was closing time, but she saw this Capuchin standing near a confessional. She went over and said that she really didn't want to go to confession, but had some questions about the dogma of the Trinity. And at this point, Padre Pio explained them to her. She thanked the Capuchin and told her friend she had found a learned and wise priest and waited for him to come out of the confessional to try and see where he would be if she needed to go to confession or if her friend wanted to go to confession again. And uh, the sacristan came out and announced the closing of the basilica. The young ladies told him they were waiting for the friar who was hearing confessions. And fearing that he might be locked in, the sacristan went around and looked everywhere and pulled the curtain aside and there was no one there. Wow, that was a very good clip uh, from that podcast, and I'm very glad that I found that in such a timely manner as uh, that had been so prevalent to the discussion of Lost and whether or not Walt might be able to have this ability to bilocate. Anyway, just again, I want to thank the StarQuest Podcast Network for putting that podcast together. And if you're interested in a podcast devoted to saints and explaining uh, the lives of the men and women who are now considered saints by the Catholic Church, I realize that um, a large portion of our listening audience may be from the Catholic faith, and and so that may be interesting to you. And this podcast is put together by a gentleman by the name of Paul Camarata, and he does an excellent job. I, I listened to that entire podcast and was thoroughly enthused with the way that he presented himself and the material And definitely he puts a lot of research into what he has done there. And again, you can find that at SQPN, that stands for StarQuest Podcast Network, sqpn.com, and then click on the SaintCast. Now let's uh, go back to our original discussion. Now That's interesting. The interesting thing about that is this Father uh, Padre Pio his story about going halfway across the world seems to fit exactly in with the the script of this week's episode. I don't. I wasn't there. He, he was halfway around the world. Why are you asking me all these Did questions? Walt ever appear in a place he wasn't supposed to be? You say he was halfway around the world, but did you see? I want my son. This is my theory, is that Michael saw Walt. I mean, physically saw Walt when his mother and his father, or stepfather, had him on the other side of the world. And Michael saw him. Perhaps what happened is he talked himself out of believing that that really happened, that maybe it was just a dream, and that all these other special things that he noticed in Walt were just something of his imagination. But then she asked the first time, he's like, what? What are you talking about? And then she asked again, have you ever seen him, Michael? And then he's like, oh my gosh, there is something. And that's why they want him. And then he's like, take me to my son. I want to see my son. So I believe that Michael, Michael has seen Walt in the United States or wherever he was at the same time that he was supposed to be across the continent. Yeah. 
that leads me next into what I am going to call Echo telling the parable of the dog beaten in the head with a shovel. <laughs> that's that's just poetic. Cliff. Yes, isn't it beautiful? Okay, you should you should cross stitch that on a pillow. I, I will. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I matter of fact, just before bedtime tomorrow night, I will tell that parable to my children. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so be good, kids. Otherwise, yeah. the dog will be waiting for you in hell. Yeah, that'd be excellent, wouldn't it? Good night. <laughs> Let me tell you, have you guys had the opportunity to to view the episode a second time? Yep. No, unfortunately I haven't. I am going, do you have the ability to view it a second time in the future? Oh yeah, I've got it on TiVo. Very good. I want you to go to this scene. Not right now, but in the very near future when you hear this podcast. Go to this scene and I'm going to read to you what I transcribed. This is Michael Says. So I hear you're a priest, huh? Echo says, yes. Michael, obviously torn inside or at least very scared about the consequences, not just from uh, from the other losties, but also the eternal consequences of what he has just done. Regardless of whether or not it was to save his son, he, he has a real question. Now that he has a, a bona fide priest in his own eyes in, in front of him, he says, So I guess you believe in, in hell then, don't you? And, and Echo does not answer his question directly, but instead tells a parable. And I, don't, I wonder whether or not this story is true, but I'll tell you, and of course you guys heard us in the initial feedback, that Stephanie and I both believe that Echo is quite aware of what Michael has done. Yeah, I th- I thought so too. Here here is the story. Uh, he he says for a brief time I served in a small parish in England, and every day at during the after the service I would see a young boy in the back of the standing in the back of the church. One day the boy confessed he had beaten his dog to death with a shovel. He said the dog had bitten his baby sister on the cheek, and he needed to protect her. And he wanted to know whether or not he would go to hell for this. Now I'm going to stop right there. This is this is Echo telling the parable of Michael standing in the back of the church. And he says, and Michael's just now coming forward and saying, am I going to go to hell for this? And, and Michael, and, and so Michael, I know that you're asking me, am I going to go to hell? And this is my answer to you, Michael. And this is what he says. I told him that God would understand and that he would be forgiven. Now, stop, pause right there. When you're reviewing this portion of the episode, I want you to look at exactly what he is doing at the very moment he says says the word forgiven. Do you guys recall what that is? No. He has taken a cloth Put it into some water. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he has cleaned cloth. up blood. And what he has done is at the moment he says he will be forgiven, blood is being squeegeed out of the cloth, meaning yeah. the blood will be removed and you will be clean again if you are sorry. Or it's, he says as long as he was sorry. Right. So, so, and, and so he looks into, he looks into Michael's eyes. And then he finishes the parable and he says, and I'm going to paraphrase in what I believe this parable means. But Michael, 
you do not care about forgiveness. For you are only fr- afraid that if you do go to hell, what a, what is waiting for you there? That's a yeah. Pr- I thought that was I thought that was very very powerful. That was a powerful mm-hmm. bit of writing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, he just looked right into him. Yes, absolutely. With with those echo eyes. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, those <laughs> eyes that would just, you don't know if you should be afraid or, or you know, or loving or just, oh, quit looking at me. <laughs> He's looking right through me. Quit it. Yeah. Well, and he, and, he, and he does have that way about him. I mean, like he knew exactly who Henry Gale was. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's the reason why he, that's why he confessed what he did. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that gets me, and, and, and it was a sad point for me in this episode, is this is the last thing that I believe he truly did as a priest. Hi there, this is Cliff Ravenscraft again in the editing studio, and I know this has been a little bit choppy, and I apologize for that. Um, it's 6.30 in the evening now, and going through this, I realize that I have a whole lot more material from our discussion on Friday evening. However, I do have some audio segments uh, that I need to put in here. Rem was kind enough to give us our Lost in the News and Spoilers segment. Uh, we have our Lost Experience report from Eric, and also Kim has her three subtle points that she wanted to share from the episode, which are I think will be very enlightening since uh, Orion earlier on in the uh, discussion had mentioned that there are some obvious military connections, and she has a point that uh, addresses the click that was mentioned in the podcast or in the episode. Anyway, I just want to go ahead and say a very special thank you, thank you to Orion Colmer. He was uh, the gentleman that was speaking with us in our panel discussion. Orion, I thank you very much for being a longtime listener of our show and for making the time available to come and speak with us. And also a very heartfelt thank you to Dina Scott, who uh, again joined us and gave some very insightful uh, thoughts and discussion there. And, And I just appreciate you making that time available. Again, I really encourage you to check out Dina's podcast called Controlling Chaos. Uh, It's an excellently produced podcast, and I think she's doing a wonderful job. In fact, I made a comment just the other day. Her first episode is the best, the single best first episode of any podcast I've ever heard. And uh, if if you go to controllingchaos.com and download her first podcast episode, episode number one, Introductions, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Now let's just go ahead and move right on into Lost in the News. Lost in the News. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Lost in the News. My name is Rem, and this week on the official Lost podcast with Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof, the guys talked about the interesting switch in faith that happened between Echo and Locke regarding the pushing of the button in the hatch during the most recent episode, Three minutes. The idea that that Echo has now stated that he is going to go back and start pushing the button, and Locke is done pushing the button. Um, that's sort of an interesting role reversal for a guy who once said to Jack, "You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be the one who pushes this button, come hell or high water." So, you know, Locke's faith has been challenged, and he's sort of come out the other side and uh, decided that he's been engaged in a fool's errand, which is uh, 
Hopefully not the way people will feel about Lost when all is said and done. And does that computer printout from the Pearl Hatch have any significance? As a fan, I would sort of be fairly interested in that that printout. That might be coming back at some point. Um, That'd be a good guess. Interesting, too, it's already been learned that each of those number sequences are exactly 108 apart from each other. Well done. We heard this week that the dilemma of week on, week off for Lost has potentially been solved. How, you ask? Well, TV Squad says that ABC is going to broadcast the first seven episodes of Lost, then put the show on a hiatus for, quote, a number of weeks before bringing it back for a second chunk of episodes. Now, the typical TV season lasts about 35 weeks. So if Lost takes up 24 of those weeks, that leaves um, 11 left over. Multiply by the coefficient of friction, uh, minus the square of pi, converted to metric, of course. And, uh, oh, holy cow, that's a break of just under three months. Well, if this schedule holds, the third season is going to look something like this. Episodes 1 through 7 will start in September, then there will be the super hiatus, and that time slot is going to be occupied by a new drama series called Daybreak, Then episodes 8 through 24 will run right after each other. And it's hoped that this consecutive run of episodes with a big break is going to relieve the frustration of viewers who grow tired of repeats. In fact, thanks to the guys over at Lostcasts, we hear of a site called www.islostarepeat.com. And by going to that address, you'll find out if the upcoming episode is a repeat or if it is not. I'm sure that site is going to get a lot of hits next season. And here's some good news. Amazon.com is now taking pre-orders for Lost, the complete second season. Price is $59.99, and the release date is October 3rd of this year. Looking forward to the second season on DVD, and if you're like me, your Lost DVDs will spend more time out on loan than they do on your shelf, which is as it should be. That's a wrap on Lost in the News. My name is Rem. Now back to Stephanie, Cliff, and friends in the Generally Speaking Studios. Thank you very much there, Rem. In fact, I'm the only one left in the studio at this time as somebody walks in the door as I'm recording. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. We're uh, recording the Lost in the News segment during the editing process. How's things going outside? Uh, Fine. I thought you had a Lost in the News segment. Uh, We did, but uh, I just put it into the show. Oh. Okay. What you need? See how much longer you needed. I will be done in about 15 minutes. Okay. You want to just come outside when you're done? Sure. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I love you. Hey, I should probably edit that out, but I won't. So we're going to just keep on clicking here. In fact, uh, mentioning the click, I would bring up Kim's little subtle points, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to go ahead and bring that up now. And Kim, take it away. Hello, this is Kim, also known as Good Things Coming from the Generally Speaking Lost Forum. I come to you today with three subtle points from the episode Three Minutes. The first I want to talk about is Miss Clue. Yes, we have in fact seen Miss Clue before. She was in Echo's flashbacks. The first time we see her is when Echo is a young boy. The warlords come to try and get Yummy to shoot the old man. There is a lady in the crowd with a red wrap over her hair that looks just like Miss Clue. Then years later, when Echo is older, he enters Yummy's church to force him to sign the papers that would make him a priest. In that scene, there is a lady sitting in a pew who turns around and looks at him. Again, she looks strikingly similar to Miss Clue. Point number two is regarding the Dharma logo. 
When Michael is being led through the other's camp, he passes their hatch, which dons a different Dharma logo than we're used to seeing. The logo consists of the standard Bagua, with the rectangle in the center and the word Dharma. We also do not have the traditional illustration within the center of the logo, but solid black instead. The letters within the upright rectangle are H-A-R-M, harm. The outside edges of the logo do not connect to make a solid octagon. Instead, there are four breaks, one in each of the diagonal lines. My third point is about the others. Is there a possible military background connection there? Hey, look at what I found. She was following her friends. They're about half a click behind us. Now a click is slang for a kilometer, or 1,000 meters. It's equivalent to about 0.6213 miles. Click is also derived from the click on a sniper scope when adjusting for the distance of a target. Now this reference is generally used only in the military. Thanks for listening. This is Kim, also known as Good Things Coming from the Generally Speaking Lost Forum. Thank you very much, Kim, for that report of the three subtle points. And yes, the military thing, I believe, is very important for us to uh, hold on to because I know that other friends of mine have mentioned about the World War II era gun that uh, Mr. Friendly was holding in the hunting party episode. And so obviously there have been quite a few things that lead back to possible military tie-ins. So very good. One of the things that I wanted to mention, and I was kind of thrown off when Stephanie had come in just now, uh, and I, but it just came back to me, is that I wanted to say congratulations to the Jay and Jack podcast. Uh, they were featured in a recent AP News story that you can find online, and uh, it's called Lost in the podcast. And it starts off, when a television show just isn't enough, there are podcasts and podcasts and podcasts. And it says, Bree Fowler from the Associated Press checks out the downloading craze for ABC's Lost. And right underneath that title and subtitle is a picture of Jay and Jack from uh, the Jay and Jack podcast or Lost podcast. And uh, they're in their recording studio and you kind of get an inside glimpse of what their studio looks like. And and I just wanted to say congratulations, guys, for being featured in that article. And uh, we were quite honored here uh, for the Generally Speaking podcast because we were uh, co-featured in the ar- article right underneath them. And and uh, it's just kind of exciting to know that uh, podcasters are becoming uh, known in the mainstream media. And uh, it's just exciting to, to be a part of uh, this craze called podcasting. And, and podcasting about loss just obviously has its own... Uh, glitter and glamour, and, and we're we're just so excited to be a part of it. But I I do I, I, I there is some some buzz out there about the fact that I had uh, mentioned in our lost forum uh, some information about the article, and some of our detractors had gone over and says I can't believe those people. Are, generally speaking, they just have to stick their nose in everything, and and uh, they every, there's a lot of talk among some people that think that uh, we at generally speaking view the. The Lost Podcast with Jay and Jack is competition, and that could not be farther from the truth. In fact, uh, Jay and I uh, email each other uh, back and forth on a regular basis, and uh, that's because he he does a lot of work with the Lost Podcasting Network, and also uh, Handsome Jack is on our forum on a consistent basis, and uh, he and I have uh, shared a couple uh, messages back and forth and and just talking about lost podcasting in general how to handle negative feedback and and uh, I just appreciate those guys and everything they do and 
And one of the things that I recently did is, is talked about my favorite, uh, the top four or five podcasts. And, and jokingly, I say, you know, the, my favorite lost podcast is it would be generally speaking, of course, I'm biased. And that was in total humor. Uh, but next on my list would be the Jay and Jack podcast. I mean, uh, they are very entertaining. Uh, they, they're a little bit more in-depth into theory and, and, and stuff than we are, but yet they're not so in-depth that it, that it bogs you down at all. And, and they're very lighthearted, and, and uh, they have this thing going on where they have the same last name, Jay and Jack, but they don't tell you what the relationship is. So uh, see if you can figure that one out. And then, of course, the third uh, podcast, lost podcast on my list, and if you haven't listened to them, you really need to, especially if you really want to get in deep into the understanding of the theories and mythology of Lost, and that is Lost Cast's uh, Lost Podcast, and that's by John Keeler and um, Brian Lindner and a couple other gentlemen. Uh, very, very good podcast. And then there's the Delta Park Project, and I'm very eager and excited uh, to hear that uh, Myakama Sass is coming back. Only uh, Dylan's in the Navy, of course, but Craig has uh, looked like I think yeah, I saw something in the feed last week at the Lost Podcasting Network, and uh, little Myakama Sass may come back. And of course, I like Jason and Anna over at the Delta Park Project. So those are just a few, and there, of course, there are more Lost podcasts out there, and uh, I encourage you to check them all out. And the best place to do that is to go to Lost Podcasts dot blogspot.com which is the home of the lost podcasting network next up we have uh the trivia segment report so we have a weekly lost trivia on our forum board and molly h is going to come to us now and give us our weekly update hey generally speaking listeners it's time for a weekly lost trivia report from trivia central from CME san antonio texas this week's update will follow the same format as last week I will read the questions first and then the answers, so those listeners who cannot play along on the forum can participate now. This week's quiz was written by me, Molly H., and is an episode-themed quiz focused on the episode question mark. Here are the questions. Number one, how much time elapsed, according to Michael, from the time that Michael, Anna Lulu, and Libby were shot to the time that the other losties had discovered them in the hatch? Number two, what was Mr. Echo's Australian last name? Number three, name the members of the Malkin family. Number four, what was the name of the man who looked like Marvin Candle in the Pearl's Orientation video? Number five, name the three characters who have quote-unquote followed a dream or an imaginary person on the island. What was the name of the man that brought Charlotte to the Undertaker's office? Number seven, what did Yimmy instruct Echo to bring with him on his journey to the question mark? Number eight, why, according to Richard Malkin, was Joyce Malkin religious? Number nine. How long are the shifts for those stationed in the Pearl? In hours and weeks. Number ten. Here's a classic lost trivia question. What was the gate number of the Oceanic Flight 815? Here's the bonus question. What did Richard say that caused Charlotte's apparent death? The answers were as follows. Number one. Michael stated that about 20 minutes to half an hour had passed from the time that Anna, Lulu, Libby, and Michael were shot until the time the other Losties entered the hatch. Mr. Echo's last name in Australia was Timney. Number three, the three members of the Malkin family were Joyce, Richard, and Charlotte. Number four, the man in the orientation video introduced himself as Mark Whitman. Number five, Jack, Locko, Echo, and Hurley have all followed an imaginary vision on the island. Number six, the name of the man that brought Charlotte to the Undertaker 
was named Ambrose. Number seven, Yemi instructed Echo to bring an axe on his journey. Number eight, according to Richard Malkin, Joyce attends church despite Richard because she does not approve of his profession as a psychic. Number nine, the shifts of the Pearl Station in weeks and hours are three weeks and eight hours. Number 10, the gate number of Oceanic Flight 815 was gate 23. The bonus, Richard Malkin stated that hypothermia caused Charlotte's apparent death. This week, we have broken a generally speaking trivia record. We have eight winners. The winners are Dan23x, Marley2a2, Mellow Playa, Cliff and Stephanie Ravenscraft, Draw Tools, So Sai, and Jess Vaults. Congratulations to all who played, and a special thanks to Cliff for completing our Lost Trivia Survey. The quiz for the episode 3 minutes was created by Trivia King Matt, and is now up on the forum, so ready, set, play. From Matt and I at Trivia Central, have a cluckety cluck cluck day. Thank you very much, Molly H., for that trivia update. And you've now heard our podcast devoted to three minutes. And by now, uh, seeing as this has been out pretty late, you've heard all the other Lost podcasts on uh, three minutes. And I encourage you to go to the Generally Speaking Lost Forum at ravenscraft.org forward slash lost forum. Sign up and play this week's trivia podcast, or trivia podcast, this week's trivia contest devoted to the show, Three Minutes, and see how well you know that episode now. Next up, we have Eric Fisher, and he is going to be giving us our Lost Experience Report. This is Eric Fisher with the Lost Experience Report. A lot has happened this week in the Lost Experience, starting with the website for DJ Dan being found. If you go to thelostexperience.com or thelostexperienceclues.com or the ravenscraft.org lost forum, you will find a link for this. It's DJ Dan. DJ Dan is a conspiracy theorist, and he is none other than Javier who is a Lost alumni. Javier was one of the writers on Lost, and so I guess they decided to give, throw him a sweet little cushy spot in the Lost experience. Anyway, he goes on to say in his podcast that Hanso, Elvar Hanso, is cryogenically frozen. But I suggest you go and listen to that podcast yourself. That's at djdan.am. In other news, Hugh McIntyre's login box says to please log in for press release. But then the login box disappeared and Hugh's picture and press release and bio page picture disappeared. If you go to Hugh's bio piece and enter the password, the mouthpiece, you will find a yellow highlighted section of his bio where it says deeply committed to family values. Click on that, and it'll take you through a, a nice little video vignette. Tells a little more about Hugh McIntyre's not-so-committed-to-his-family activities. Tied in with the on-air Wednesday night Lost Experience commercial, which directed us to LetYourCompassGuideYou.com. 
once there, you will find a compass, which once you spin it around, you will find that a map and numbers come up, and the degrees 108, which can be located near the east section of that compass, will show up, and if you click on that, then it'll open up a green computer-like interface that looks a lot like the computer in the hatch, and then when it asks you, are you one of the good ones, you want to push Y for yes. Then it'll bring up a... Then, we'll, then it'll bring up a an interface that will have a bunch of the back-end files for the Hanso Foundation website. As you dig through those files, you will find in the mail folder a YouTube video for a Jeep commercial. At the end of the commercial, there's a Dharma logo in faint red. And then there are some letters there that when you transpose them, give you another clue. Also, Peter McIntyre. Earlier today, Friday, Peter McIntyre's biopic started to light up with strange letters. You take those letters and decipher them down into an anagram. The password survivor guilt shows up. Take that and insert that into the password box on his bio. It will take through another series of video vignettes that explain his CD past where Persephone sums it up saying, I work for criminals, always have, always will. On a lighter note to round out the report, there is also another official site that's been found as far as the game goes called SaveJupe.com. That's S-A-V-E-J-O-O-P.com. You can buy Save Jupe t-shirts and sign on to the Save Jupe petition. I did. It's Eric from Marion, Indiana. Sign on too. We don't know what's going to happen. It definitely takes your email from you and might sign you up for more clues to be sent to you later on. Till next week, this is Eric for the Lost Experience Report. Well, I'll tell you what, Eric, I thank you so much for doing that on a weekly basis for us. In fact, I've gotten to the point now where I rely on Eric to tell me what's going on in the Lost Experience because there is so much going on. And recently I've found myself so overly booked in my agenda to to actually sit down and and to find all these clues but if you're really into this and you want to find out what the latest up-to-date clues are we actually have a spot on our forum devoted just to the lost experience and once again you can find that at ravenscraft.org forward slash lost experience or oh my goodness (laughs) ravenscraft.org forward slash lost forum Uh, My kids have all just recently come in during that last segment, and so I was a little thrown off there. Anyway, uh, we're running right at 58 minutes now, and I'm going to go ahead and close this out with the spoiler segment. Rem's got a very special mixed song that he made, and uh, it's definitely interesting. So I'll let him close us out with that and then the exit theme. Uh, As far as listener feedback this week, we do have some listener call-in comments, and what I'll do is we'll actually throw those into our um, initial feedback for the season finale We'll, we'll throw those uh, listener calls in just before uh, we view the next episode of Lost and the final episode of Season 2. So, Rem, go ahead and take it away with our Lost spoilers. And until next time, let's get lost. This isn't what was supposed to happen. What's going to happen? You don't want to know what was supposed to happen. I know. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You know what? You're not going to find out. Don't you want to know? Hey there, and welcome to Lost Spoilers. 
spoilers. This is Rem, and this is our last kick at the can, as it were, for spoilers as we prepare for the two-hour season finale this Wednesday night. And already there is talk and speculation about season three and whether Harold Perrineau is going to be returning. And according to Watch with Kristen, quote, if you thought we didn't see enough of Michael this season, you're not going to be happy next year. Also, there's word that Michael Emerson, who plays Henry Gale, is going to be returning as a series regular. And if that's true, that's great news. That comes from the Osceola Report. Season three is going to bring new locations, new characters, and one rumor has Desmond joining the cast full-time, but the producers have yet to comment. The season's big theme sounds timely, twisty, and terrifying. Hence, Damon Lindelof, it's us versus them, but who's the us and who's the them? Lindelof also said, quote, Libby's got this mysterious backstory of which we've only been given the tip of the iceberg. We know she spent time in the mental institution with Hurley and the idea of killing her before she had the opportunity to explain how she got there. Well, we have a master plan for how we're going to tell that story, but it's all posthumous. We'll learn Libby's moves through flashbacks over the course of the next season. So we're not done with Cynthia, but Libby is dead. That also from the Osceola Report. And from the official Lost podcast, Carlton Cuse tells us that preparation for season three is well underway. We've actually been working with the writers for, uh, for season three already and doing a little uh, what we call mini camp. Uh, we were actually in Hawaii last week with the entire season three writing staff, um, sort of planning out in a little bit more detail what our stories are going to be for, uh, for season three. In season three, we'll learn more about the mysterious Dharma Initiative. Desmond will shed light on his experiences on the island in the three years prior to when Locke came down into the hatch. There's more stuff between Sawyer, Kate, and Jack, but the focus is not on romance between those characters. Apparently, there are bigger fish to fry. Charlie and Claire have been on a break, and there's definitely some advancement in their relationship as part of the finale, showing that an air-powered injection gun can be very romantical. Lindelof went on to say, quote, The perception might be that we dropped the idea of forming an army, where what actually happened was more significant things replaced the need to develop an army. But the concept is indeed coming back in the finale. You can expect to see more of Rousseau in the next year, but the story of the wrecked research vessel will be coming back at some point, but we cannot guarantee that it will be in season three. I really hope you enjoy the season finale next week. I'm sure the ratings are going to go through the proverbial roof. And that's a wrap on our last edition of Lost Spoilers for this season. My name is Rem, and, you know, I just ran across a new favorite song I thought you might like. I think it's called something to the effect of uh, Rem is right. <laughs> I hope you like it. Namaste. Libby is not one of the others. She is a psych ward patient. Rem, you can go ahead and, and start up your music now. I am going to admit that Rem is right. Rem is right. Libby is not another. Not another. Not another. Libby is not one of the others. Libby is not another. Psych ward. I think I'm going to just throw in the towel. Mm. Psych ward. Libby is not another. Rem is right. Libby is not another. I am going to admit that Rem is right. Psych ward patient. Not another. I think I'm going to just throw in the towel. Libby is not one of the others. Libby is not another. She is a psych ward patient. Libby is not another. You have been...
been listening to the weekly Lost Edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. You can make our show even better with your feedback. Call our listener comment line at area code 413-521-0958 to leave your comments and questions. And please start with your name and where you're calling from. If you would like to contribute to our weekly podcast, simply click on the PayPal donate button on our website at www.generallyspeakingpodcast.com. Join us next week for another edition of Generally Speaking. Thanks for listening.